G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. A special focus on Christian business people with attention to the idea that being in business and giving to causes that advance the Christian gospel may not be enough. Well, it sometimes is the case that some people who throw themselves into business pursuits have difficulty working out how their business, life and their faith work together. It's challenging for a lot of business people fitting into church or who have not yet discovered faith in Christ. Well, our special guest today has made it his life's mission to help Australians pursue their passions and find greater meaning in their careers. At times like this, when business people are hit particularly hard, many will be asking, what should I be doing at a time like this when many businesses are facing uncertainty? Well, we're talking today about the value of business people reaching business friends with the gospel. Our special guest is John Sycamore, who, after a very successful business career building a financial services empire, changed direction with a focus on the new dimension with Christ at the centre. John Sycamore is Executive Chairman of Halftime Australia, inspiring and empowering business leaders to make the second half of their lives more impactful than the first half by turning their business and life into a living and lasting legacy. He's also leading the initiative called Food for Thought, highlighting how business, life and faith work together. He's the author of the book called Enriched, Redefining Wealth, and John Sycamore is our guest. John, a special welcome along to 2020. Uh, fantastic to be with you, Neil, and um, yeah, thanks for the invitation. John, let's start with what is quite challenging for some, because some people who are in business say, when I'm in business, when the business day starts... It's strictly business. Uh, faith is outside of that. That's what I did on Sunday. Uh, what are your thoughts here about people in business thinking of friends and reaching friends in business? Well, I have to admit, Neil, that um, there's some self-talk going to happen here this morning. Um, I feel on, on that journey, um, I, I found it very difficult to, uh, when I was in business, to um, live out my faith in a anything more than a passive way um, and I think it, it, it was yeah very very difficult um, to I think I came from an era of having silos that I had my faith over here and I had my business uh, separately over here and I used my Christian principles and my faith in a lot of my decision making but it wasn't really um, very proactive it was more by integrity and christian values rather than um, being proactive which i believe that that's the the place that many of us many of us have to flick a switch and and embrace um uh, homogenizing our faith with our work 
and uh, career and business. And if you are a particularly successful business person, when I say success, uh, this idea of you know generating a significant profit uh, to the point where, and uh, let's just get real here and perhaps just cut to the chase, uh, that some business people feel as though uh, church uses them as some sort of a cash cow. Uh, some people in church life might see successful business people who have become wealthy as that sort of cash cow to uh, to be able to fund the initiatives of church life. And all of those things may be very, very good. But you're saying here that the cash cow idea perhaps is not, not enough. If you think uh, you're just giving money to a good cause, uh, you perhaps need to come back and revisit your own personal motivations. Is that the, the sort of thing you're talking about? Well, I think we, it's easy to blame others. And I, I think um, business people need to take responsibility for living out their faith in the marketplace. Um, and I feel there's a disconnect between uh, pastors and business people. I think the fivefold gifting operates in the church and it operates in the marketplace. And I think there is a uh, confusion between that. So um, sometimes pastors because they have a vision um they're looking at financial support for that vision and it might be a very good good vision but the problem is church um the the christian business person is in the marketplace and seeing a lot of the problems in the marketplace and in their business and feel the pastor doesn't really relate or understand that so there's a there's a sense of um confused calling where the pastor might be thinking if you would work less um, maybe four days a week or 20 hours a week less and put 20 hours a week into the church, that would produce, that would help me with the vision I have for the church. And I'd also like you to not give a token amount of money to the church, but really do some sacrificial giving. So we're really not on the same page. So out of guilt, many of us as business people have written our checks to the church, but it's it hasn't necessarily been because we've fully bought into the vision. We maybe, maybe have, maybe haven't, but I, I feel um, we as business people need to get a kingdom vision um, for our lives, which will include our business and include our church. So whilst I, I sympathise with with people, um, feel, business people feeling that way, I also uh, have empathy with the pastor. But I've often been asked by pastors, say, John, how can I get business people connected from um, my church in what I'm doing? Could you could you give me some tips? Can you give me an insight in how you click and how you think so the business people I've got in my church would um, come on board and whatever? And my tongue-in-cheek reply has often been, I'm not going to tell you because if I tell you, you won't do it. And um, they go, come on, tell me, tell me. And I'm saying, look, there's no point because I know you won't do it. And I... And they'd say, well, tell me, tell me. I'd say, all right, I'll tell you, but I know you're not going to do this. Is You need to find the top three or four business people in your church and you need to meet with them regularly and coach and mentor them, um, be there for them without asking them for anything and actually speak into their lives and help them with their business um, in the same way. Because I know you spend a lot of time writing a message and you need to visit people that are sick and you need to do a lot of other administrative functions, you don't have time for that. But the problem is if you would help the business person really uh, help them with their business and their spiritual development and really sow into their life without asking anything back, 
you'd find at the end of 12 months, if you then got these four or five business people together and said, could I share, you know, I've enjoyed coaching and mentoring you all, and it's just been great, and I've learned A, B, C, D, E, F. Um, this is the vision I've got for the church, and I just want you to critique it and give me feedback on what you think um, how I should go about achieving that, how do I find the people, how do I resource it, et cetera, et cetera. Then you've earned the right, and you'd be amazed at how those business people will give feedback because they've, they've got an apostolic gifting, many of them. They've, many of them have got a prophetic gifting, even evangelistic. And so be amazing how that would bring unity. But it's very hard for a pastor to do that, and maybe some business people who are in that church wouldn't even appreciate that. So I think there's... That's where there's some obstacles and barriers. But I feel um, that would be a very good move, particularly um, for people in medium or smaller sized churches. And the bigger churches tend to be better structured, but the smaller or medium size, they've got gold sitting under their noses, but they don't know how to mine it. Well, you raise a very powerful point. The idea that there is a difference in expectations, uh, church and business, and a call there for a new openness. Uh, I know that people listening to our conversation today will say, well, uh, you know, I think the pastor's probably afraid to talk to me. I'm doing well in business, and, uh, you know, they they will present a need, and they'll hope that I'll come to the fore, but they won't necessarily talk to me personally. The idea that... The pastor, and let's just put this in some context here, sometimes you've got older pastors, pastors, sometimes coming out of their own successful business careers and pursuing a pastoral ministry. Other times you've got younger pastors, and those younger pastors may not feel equipped to be able to advise people in business how they might get the most of their opportunity to serve God. But I wonder here if we might just touch on this because it doesn't matter how old or how experienced or inexperienced you might be in church life. If you can ask the right questions, then you can actually get those business people to understand which direction you'd like to th- them to think about going. What about this idea of uh, you know just connecting, this new openness, the idea of asking questions rather than telling each other what to do? John, any thoughts here? I think the, um, I, you know, going back, baby boomers, we were brought up in a tell culture um, that didn't matter if you're a boss or whatever, you just told people what to do and they were meant to do it and there was a level of fear. I think the parenting uh, that some of us baby boomers had uh, had was the same. You, children were to be seen and not heard was my Dutch culture a little bit. Uh, you and, and I think in the church it was a little bit the same. At the school it was the same. I think the world's been flipped in that, that really now um, all the skills that psychologists use, every one of us needs to use them where we ask the right questions is key and shut up and listen. And even if it's criticism or negative feedback, we've, we've got to take it on board and sleep on it and pray over it and come back. And I think that's sort of become fairly universal, um, but it's it's hard to adopt. But I, I agree totally that... Um, you can learn the, the maturity of some young people. I know some 25-year-olds that their maturity and wisdom because they're walking with God makes up for decades of there are people who are in their 50s that, that don't have their wisdom and maybe haven't had their spiritual teaching and development. So so I think it's one of my best mentors is someone who's 10 years younger than me um, and another one who's 
also enormous, is, is 19 years younger than me. So I've actually found it difficult to find mentors who are older than me, even though I had some growing up. Um, I must say, when I got to my mid-30s and 40s, um, I found that I needed people that were um, younger in, in the 50s than actually older. Um, so age is, is probably... Um, it's a, more of a mentoring mindset that we're open to being mentored and, and for people to speak into our lives. And the Bible talks about that. If you don't want your plans to fail, seek many godly counsellors. And... Um, I think that's relevant for pastors because you can become very arrogant as a pastor um, because you know so much and you think the people around you don't, so you you then get more assertive um, and more controlling. And the same goes for business leaders. Um, You you can get controlling and arrogant, and uh, that's why the Bible continues to tell us that we need to be uh, really humble and and that's where I like the book Good to Great, Jim Collins, the research they did on good leaders versus great leaders, the number one attribute that people of leaders of great companies had was they were incredibly humble and to a point where they were apologetic and often didn't speak that well, didn't dress that well. They didn't have the typical hallmarks of a slick, successful um, uh, persona. And the second quality they had was that they had unswerving commitment to the mission they were involved in and didn't like have a plan B. So, um, but they always gave credit to other people when they were succeeded and said, oh, I must have been in the right place at the right time and maybe I was lucky. And so I think it would be good for pastors to have that profile and for us as business people. So I think it cuts across all, doesn't matter if you're a school teacher or a pastor or whatever your role is, I think we need to embrace these biblical principles. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision Christian Radio. 1-800-316-316 to join in our talkback conversation. You can respond to our Facebook question. In business, is giving to good causes enough? How do you reach business friends for Jesus? Our special guest is John Sycamore. He's the executive chairman of Halftime Australia. He's also leading the initiative Food for Thought, highlighting how business, life and faith work together. At 1-800-316-316, just before we take any calls, uh, let me ask you, John, just come back to your story, and we've told your story more uh, significantly in other conversations, but touch on your story here and how that leads you to be thinking about the topic for our conversation today. Yeah, sure. I, I have to admit probably that in my, I started in my own business at 23 with a bank background in finance and um, I, I probably, well, I always tithed and um, felt that was the right thing to do and um, occasionally if something really captured my imagination, I would give some extra, um, but it literally in the hundreds of dollars, you know, maybe occasionally up to $1,000 and and. But sacrificial giving was something that I didn't really get my head around. And um, so it was more giving out of surplus and and out of my base income, tithing. But really, once I got a a kingdom vision for my life, um, probably in my early 40s, I realized that I hadn't fully surrendered my business to God. I'd surrendered my life, but I kept my business separate because I'd done quite well. So to a degree... I probably had an overconfidence in my own ability 
and tended to be me sitting in the front seat of the car and have Jesus in the back seat and make decisions and ask God to ratify them, you know, big mistake. Um, I found that once I went from probably at age 23, I gave my life to Jesus, but in a sense now I look back and I think, well, in a sense, by not surrendering the business fully, I probably surrendered half of my life to Jesus and kept half for myself and my own skills and my own ability. And um, it, when my life was falling apart in my early 40s and I was a workaholic and I had relational challenges, health challenges, I said, OK, God, I surrender. I'll surrender 100%. It's your business. I'll become the trustee. Um, and uh, everything I have belongs to you. And I've got a, there's a, a Bible text I read the other day in John again about um, it's our job to do the sowing and to leave the reaping to God, and God will give you reaping far out uh, bigger than what you've actually sown. And so in my early 40s, I went from more a selective, uh, shrewd Dutch um, investment person um, to saying, God, 24-7, I need to be generous to you. And particularly once I sold the business, I had some money, I felt, well, I can live on probably 40 or 50% of what you've given me and the balance can all be used for kingdom. And even my time in my 50s, I could surrender 75% to kingdom work um, rather than personal exertion and making money. So so I think this um, flicking the switch where you're 100% surrendering everything, not only your life and everything you've got, your business and saying, God, this business can be used for kingdom purposes, both relationally and financially and I need to inquire. That was sort of game changer for me. And um, then God incredibly blessed it, even though I cut my hours back from 80 to probably 50 and started putting 20 hours in in the community into a local Christian school and a church and 10 hours a week more at home. I actually did better at work. God gave me a revelation on things I had to do at work. And I thought, I'm not that smart. God's giving me supernatural favour. And plus I had a miracle with migraine headaches that I've had since age 14 that was supernaturally healed um, in my early 40s, where it went from a scale of 10, uh, about 8 out of 10 down to about 3 or 4. And then a few years later, when I took a faith step, sold everything to go and work in missions in another state with um, Jossie Charco, um, I had a miraculous cure, and I haven't had a headache now in um, about 17 years. And so... It's illogical. The problem is, as a business person, I'm very, very logical to get to a point where supernaturally God has a logic, but his logic we don't fully understand. So I had to give up some human logic and just surrender and take steps of faith. And that changed my giving. That changed my view. Um, And so I could end up giving a lot more of my time and skill, because we talk about this at half time. Giving money sometimes is out of guilt. To give some of your... Time is more time is more valuable than money um, for when you really drill down on it because we've only got a limited amount of time, and our skill is something that we can withdraw and not use for God's purposes, but we use it for our business, making money. But imagine if we said, God, you can use my skill and risk taking and entrepreneurial ideas for the kingdom, be it in the marketplace or in the church or in missions. And then the money, what I've found is if you buy into a vision, money will follow vision. If you don't buy into the vision, you will probably only give token support. And that's where talking about what we mentioned about the pastor before, if he can get you to buy into the vision, then money will more likely be released. But it's money follows vision. And uh, that's 
what we've got to work out. What is our passion? What is our vision for our life? And that's what we talk about on Ephesians 2.10 is that Bible verse is very powerful in the New Living Translation because it says, we are God's masterpiece. Well, the problem is one of the first things the devil does is say you are not God's masterpiece and puts fear and doubt in our mind um, and they become obstacles because if we don't see ourselves as being made in God's image and God's masterpiece, um, then it's very hard for us to do what God's called us to do because we'll be paralysed or you know, our mind will be, will be just limited because we're just um, thinking um, along the line. So the devil loves checkmating us as business people in the marketplace very much, I believe, um, with that doubt and fear. Let's take some calls. Wayne is on the line from Mackay in Queensland. Hello, Wayne. Thanks for waiting patiently. Yeah, no worries, mate. Hey, mate, um, I've, um, I've been a Christian for 29 years and I'm working with a, a man I have been for about seven or eight months and he's a businessman. Um, and from the period of time till now, that man's given his heart to the Lord. Um, he's checked out stuff in the church, like our church would give up to about $6 million towards missionaries and, and all that sort of stuff. And he's looked at that and, and he's spoken to me without me even saying anything to him. So God's speaking into his heart. And, um, yeah, I never knew this bloke was a businessman. And, and um, I'm, I'm the same as uh, this man that's been talking there. I love tithing. I love giving. You can't outgive God. Never will be able to. And um, he's done a, a lot of miracles in my life on the financial side, being in debt, debt freedom, and and everything. I remember us being in seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars debt, and today uh, we owe about forty dollars on that that debt we owe, only because we want to leave that offset account open. And God just continues to bless us so that we can bless others. But the prayer that I pray. And, and I've been praying for a long time, and I've sent this on to my, my friend, and, and this is it. Satan, the Lord Jesus says that you are a thief, according to John 10.10. 10. So I bind you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ over my personal finances and business. You are absolutely bound in this area, and I, and I now loose the name of Jesus, Deuteronomy 8.18, God's power on my behalf to get my personal finances and business into a healthy and wealthy position then I'm going to loose an abundance of finance continually into the works of God. And I've been praying that for a long time, you know, and I just see God and, and, and God is working in me to give. And I've sent that to my friend and he loves that prayer. He prays that himself. So God's doing the work in him. It wasn't, it wasn't me saying, you have to do this. You know, Wayne, you've got, you've got an amazing testimony there and the idea of sharing the sort of prayer that you pray with a friend. What a way of connecting. Uh, John Sycamore, your thoughts for Wayne? Oh, look, I think, Wayne, um, you're, you've got a, an anointing on your life that's bearing amazing fruit and I just uh, keep chatting to people uh, as you are and keep living it out. Um, I think one of the problems that I had, until I read C.S. Lewis's book, Screw Tape Letters, I didn't realise how crafty the devil was. And um, I think uh, as, as business people or people in the marketplace, we just need to be aware. We need to have people like Wayne around us and we need to work together and not be isolated. And uh, I love the story, so keep sharing the story that you've just shared, Wayne. Bless you. And um, 
I think uh, you're you're a true uh, apostle um, out there, and you know able to disciple people like that. I mean, it's just bring tears to my eyes, really, because you just think if you hadn't been there chatting to that guy, um, you know. So just pray for more divine opportunities like that. Um, Wonderful stuff. Wayne and Mackay, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. Let's take another call. Mark is in Brisbane. Hello, Mark. Welcome. Hey, good day. How you going? Good, Mark. What are your thoughts? Um, oh, firstly, I'd like to um, yeah, just say that uh, Wayne, uh, yeah, he's doing a top job up there. I actually know the chances he's going to. I was uh, living in Mackay there for a for a good number of years and I attended that church and they are truly blessing uh, a, a lot of people with that with our outreach and, and the way that they send containers and that overseas. So this, they do truly do a good job up there in Mackay. Good stuff. And so, uh, you have something to add there, Mark? Sorry? You have something to add there? Yeah, I, I, um, I grew, my, my, both my kids grew up in Mackay. Uh, yeah, so I just know that church that, uh, that Wayne said that he was going to. But um, the, uh, what I was going to say is the church that I'm attending down here in uh, Brisbane, um, I'd like to uh, bless them with, uh, with an offering from my business. But if they're not a tax-deductible uh, charity church, that's, so I was just going to ask the question with, uh, within the uh, realms of uh, business, and giving to a charity that's not a charitable uh, thing, how, how do we go for tax and stuff? Good thoughts there, Mark. John, your thoughts on tax deductibility and how businesses may well be able to maximise their giving? Um, well, you'd need to, uh, I don't know your business structure, um, and you'd need to have a talk to your accountant and um, have a talk to the accountants at the church because... Um, um, depending on on what you want to give to and how how the church is structured, but there's good advice available for that sort of thing. Um, but there are times when you give and you can't get a tax deduct um, tax deduction. So for some things, we just need to accept uh, we can um, you know we can give, but we won't be able to get a tax deduction. Um, but if we can, obviously, it multiplies the, the value of, of the gift that God can do a miracle um, with any amount. So um, that's, uh, yeah, something that's it's, it's wise Good to stuff. obviously investigate that. John, let's take another call straight away and uh, let's hear from Ross, who is in Melbourne. Hello, Ross. Welcome along. Hello there. Ross, what are your thoughts for our conversation? Uh, very interesting and very stimulating. Thank you so much for what you guys are doing. It's our pleasure. I have a question, though. Um, it's really easy to influence business people when you've got a small business and you're the boss and you're the captain of your ship. So you don't mind who you get as a client or not. But when you're in corporate, that's much more difficult. What are some ideas to do that? And bear in mind, please, John, I'm not as rich as you. I did not build a financial empire. I'm still struggling. But how do you reach business people in the corporate sector when you do that? I've been a pastor, and when I had my own business and stopped being a pastor, I learned more leadership skills in my business, and I had more power to influence churches by bringing people, this was while I was living in Europe, to the Western countries and training pastors than me visiting them on a one-to-one -one basis. 
So I've been in both worlds, seeing the glory and the beauty of both worlds, but in the corporate sector, going on to what John is saying, I'm really interested on what um, I'm hearing. It's great stuff. One thing I, wanna, I want him to expand upon is how does the money follow the vision? I understand where God gives you a vision, he always provides, he always gives provision. But can you expand upon that in the corporate sector? Because as John said, people who are very successful can get very, very opinionated, quite proud, quite arrogant. They lose sight of how they started and it gets the best of them. So how do we as Christians influence that corporate sector? Ross, lots in your uh, thoughts there. Uh, let's get a response from John. Okay, I think um, definitely you've, you've worked as a pastor and in the corporate world. I totally agree that um, when you've got your own business, um, you control things and you're able to do things. Um, it's amazing how the devil, though, if you own a small business, the devil will convince you um, because you're not big enough, you haven't got enough clients or you haven't got enough money. That's one of his traps. And the same as if you're in the corporate world, the devil will also trap you and say, well, you can't because I'm in a corporate. Yeah, I can't do this and you can't do that. So it doesn't matter where we are. Paul was in jail and he was still on assignment. I think what we've got to look at um, in the CBD of Melbourne, we're just launching a group where we've got a lady who's been a Christian for two years and um, she's um, got a high-level job, I think it's 50 staff, and she's going to start a ministry of inviting other business people out of working hours at between 5 and 6.30 to invite them to a networking event and then she's going to um, do an alpha after that. And so using Food for Thought, which is something that uh, a ministry I initiated um, in Tassie when the Holy Spirit convicted me that I wasn't doing enough to reach people that I work with and in the marketplace because even though I was CEO of this corporate I owned the most shares I was still a, a minor shareholder I didn't own over 50% so I did something in the lunchtime so God's given you amazing influence and in a network in the corporate world that you can reach so we started something in a pub across the road um, with my Prezi uh, pastor friend and pastor of my own church and I just started inviting people for lunch once a fortnight on a Tuesday between one and two and I would say, would you like to come to lunch with me, um, Phil, next Tuesday at one o'clock? And uh, often people would just say, yeah, okay. And then I'd say, look, it's lunch with a difference. I've got a mate of mine who's sharing out of the good book. And um, But I'll come and pick you up at five to one. It's only a five-minute walk. And I'd pick you up and, um, yeah, come across. And uh, he would do a message out of the Bible like he did on Sunday. And then we'd have a discussion about it. And so I think you can be creative and innovative. Um, if you've been a pastor of church, this should come really easy to you because you're up, you have plenty of obstacles in the church as well and you've got to get ministries up despite lack of money or lack of the right people. So I think it's an opportunity. It depends on how motivated you are and how creative you are and how much rejection you're prepared to cop. Um, so um, it's hard wherever you are. Um, we can find reasons. So, But what I found is I'm pretty useless on my own. And even Jesus sent them out two by two, the 72. So the first thing we need is we need to find a person who will become our teammate in this work who's aligned with us spiritually. 
and that we can get a vision. We're going to start reaching some people. Let's write down their names. Let's pray. Let's find a way of reaching them. And um, we can do that if we own our own business. We can do that when we work in a corporate. And I'd like in, in uh, on the 5th of October, God willing, we're launching a luncheon in the CBD in Melbourne where I've, we've got a group of a half a dozen Christians who didn't know each other that God's brought together and they're going to bring along um, their unchurched friends. And we're just going to, we all have to put a bit of money in to buy them some food. So each one of us has to put in 30 bucks or something. And um, then we're inviting them along to the to a boardroom and other business people. We, and we've got a guest speaker, um, a guy who hasn't even come to faith, but he's a seeker, but he's got a great story. And then we're going to show it off it. So it's that creativity and innovation that we've got to use. Um, but it doesn't need, and we just need the courage. Um, but I, I've never done it on my own. It was only when my pastor said, well, I'll come and help you. Up until then, I was on my own. Satan's very good at isolating us when we're on our own and um, putting doubt and fear. And um, that's why the Bible says, don't give up the habit of meeting together. And we've got to be listening to the whispering of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit really convicted me. John, you're running this company. You've got all these people. You've built a business. But what have you done in the marketplace for me? And so we need to be prayerful and in the Word of God and then have that courage to make a fool of ourselves. It doesn't matter where we are. And um, so the, the, the challenge is there's two types of deals we need to do in the business world. One, for our company to make money. The other deal, I think, that the Holy Spirit's convicted me, we need to have the same passion and conviction to play to please Jesus as we do the boss we have in the corporate. And so who is God putting on our heart to pray for? That person at work who's got a problem, go and have a coffee with them, go and have a lunch with them, love on them. And if they reject the gospel, well, at least you've done your bit. Um, but I've needed, I've been pretty sluggish in this area and, and it took me a long while. I was 20 years in the corporate world um, from the age of 20 to 40 before I actually got going. So I'm talking to myself here. Um, so um, hopefully that, that's of help. Wonderful stuff. And Ross in Melbourne, thank you so much for calling through with your great insights and uh, seeking some direction there. Interesting as, as you're responding to Ross and uh, Ross coming from that uh, both pastoral and corporate business background, uh, the idea that you can't do this on your own so easily, uh, that every single church perhaps needs its own business network is this something you advocate john you, uh, the idea that it doesn't well, matter how big your church is if you've got some business people you've you've got to be having business people thinking business and mission yeah i, I think the business people often have been uh, because they theologically aren't as skilled as the pastor or some other elders um on the gymnastics of spiritual examination they don't pass tick all the boxes so but I think um, Jesus actually got some pretty rough around the edges fishermen and picked those as his um, um, people to help him. So I feel this is where um, money will follow vision if what I answered before, if the pastoral actually will get and invest time and hang out with these business people. But this is where the problem is. So the money won't come from the business people to follow the pastor's vision if the pastor won't invest in those people. So... That's where I feel um, very strongly that um, business people, once you ask for their expertise and help, they could really help the church grow. Um, um, but um, pastors haven't got the skill. They're not trained, they're trained theologically as 
uh, Ross just said, he, he learned more about leadership when he was in business. And that's probably a friend of mine who runs a ministry in, in Asia. He says 60% of the training is on character and 40% is on theology. And um, I think you can, uh, business skills uh, um, are something that we need in the church. So um, to have people sitting in the pews passively as business people and not to mine that asset. Um, doesn't make sense. Um, so I think, you know, hopefully what I've mentioned uh, there, um, yeah, business people, but you've got to actually sow into their life and not worry about knocking off all the rough edges up front. Um, all my rough, or I've still got rough edges, but my rough edges got knocked off more when the pastor trusted me, the church trusted me, and I was able to use my business skills, and then slowly but surely, I, I was in and around more godly people and prophetic people and was in the Word more, and then the Holy Spirit um, did the best dismantling of, of some of my rough edges. So it's a, it's not a one, it's not fixed in one moment, it's a journey, and it's, um, but we're all on that journey together. The idea that there are things happening right now, John, uh, businesses, some might be flourishing, but there are perhaps many more, especially in the current COVID environment, that are really feeling pressure, uh, pressures that they've never had in business before. And the idea of doing that on your own, uh, this creates an opportunity here, doesn't it, for having friends in business just being a support to one another. Uh, apart from this dimension that we're talking about today, but that might be the motivation of your uh, getting involved in a dimension like this where you become supportive for one another around the table, uh, listening to the challenges that you might have, uh, working on solutions together. Uh, things are tough right now. What are your thoughts for those business people listening to us uh, who are wondering about their own business and saying, where's God in the middle of all this? What might he be calling me to do even though uh, these things are putting pressure on me? I think if there's one thing that we could share this morning, Neil, that would be good takeaway value is that God's got blessings in heaven ready to release to business people. Um, but we've got to know how to ask God for those blessings. We've got to create capacity to receive those blessings. We need to build a team around us that can stand against the evil one um, that will um, attack, snatch, destroy. So I think... Um, Finding a, um, like, when I found a person who I employed who was on a walk with God and be and eventually became my business partner, everything turned around. Up until then, I was fighting on my own. Um, the fact we could talk together, pray together, plan together was just a game changer. I am surprised at how many business people who are Christians um, who are working either in a business they own or a business they own with someone else, and they haven't got a Christian high-level business partner or employee that they're able to meet with. So it really, to me, needs to be a priority um, if you can get that person or someone who's just outside the business that you can involve in every part of it and become on your board of directors or personal board or advisory board um, to surround yourself with godly advisors. It's very clear in Proverbs, I think, 15.22, that your plans will fail um, unless you see godly counsellors. So for me, if I look at, over 20 years, the people God put next to me or that I found, when I found that teammate, um, then you can win the game. Without it, um, if you're unevenly yoked, um, it's just too difficult. But if you can find someone 
and and who will challenge you and you challenge them, iron sharpening iron. It is so, so powerful. So I believe that, yeah, it can be a game changer. It could be someone sitting in your church that could come and mentor you at worst and who's retired or whatever. But you you just got to go and ask people. Um, but you've got to have a mindset that you're open for it because in my 20s and 30s, I was too arrogant. I thought I could do it by myself. So I, I actually had to surrender and say, God, I can't do it. I pr- I'm praying that you will bring someone to help me. You're and then when you've got a, it's on your prayer list and you are become a talent scout um, to find this amazing uh, person that can help you win the game um, and you pray into it. It's amazing how then the Holy Spirit, God will, but if you haven't got, if you're not in the right mindset, why would, that person might cross the bow of your boat and you wouldn't even know. So so we've really got to um, be close. We've got to be able to identify the whispering of the Holy Spirit. How do we do that? We've got to be in the Word of God each day. Um, like I've, I used the SOAP system that I learned when I was in Hawaii um, 20 years ago. Awesome. Um, and just reading through the whole Bible um, sometimes or reading through it slowly and rereading the same chapter again and again and again. So you really get that deposit so that you can sense you have a spiritual um, state of mind as you're at work. So that's um, spiritual, you know, a spiritual fitness um, so that you can really walk closer with God and, and know that God really wants to bless your business. He, he blessed so many. You read the Old Testament. God blessed so many people who were in business. Unbelievable. But he, had, he gave them a job to do as well. So it wasn't not blessing you so you'll have a good life. No, I'm blessing you so you can use the fruit of this to be a blessing in other areas and people that work for you, suppliers, clients and whatever. Well, our Facebook question today asks, in business, is giving to good causes enough? How do you reach business friends for Jesus? Matt says, I believe reaching business friends for Jesus involves speaking out to them in a tactful, loving way. Sometimes this can be as simple as offering prayer for something they are struggling with. Uh, Your thoughts here for Matt, John? Oh, look, I think um, prayer is... Hardly anyone will ever refuse prayer. Um, so I think during COVID, probably it's, it's been probably one of the best times for us as Christians to be able to talk to our neighbour and our friends and workmates because there's now a sense of we can't fix everything. We've lost control of our orderly lives where we were fairly self-focused and we've now had to really become others-focused um, just by the nature of it. And all of a sudden, wealth creation has dropped on the priority list in the Western world. Wealth creation has had a very, very high priority, even amongst Christians. Um, but it's been pushed aside by, really, I'm just worried about how my mum is or my dad or my neighbour or my children or my grandchildren or my work colleague or... Um, and so many people are living on their own because they're divorced or they've never married or their partner died. So we've got all these people in our community. So what is church? This is what the church was set up to reach out to hurting people and problem people. So I feel we've got a, um, a beautiful opportunity at, in, in, in this time. And so um, prayer is, is just... Um, Beautiful. What is prayer? It's talking to God on behalf of somebody else and doing it in front of them. Um, 
um, it's very powerful. And Running often leads to a gospel sharing. Short of time here, and uh, almost time to end our conversation, but when you talk about adjusting your mindset, and it's not just an intellectual exercise here to get online uh, with the mission of God, uh, you, in fact, you were talking about an encounter with God that you had. If you're a business person listening to our conversation today, perhaps you're feeling that little bit isolated. Uh, you'd like to have that ideal uh, friend who has a mission in common with you, as John is saying. Uh, the idea of the encounter with God here and recognizing when God has sent someone along to you. You say, I prayed for that person to come and all of a sudden they're there. Uh, this idea of adjusting your mindset expectancy for God to be active in your business. Any thoughts around that as we top things off today, John? Well, I, I feel that if we're um, in the Word of God each day and um, we're really walking closely with God, yeah, we, it's really um, a mindset shift and a positioning, an expectancy that God is going to do a miracle. God is going to bring someone across our path. Um, and we need to thank God for our blessings, first of all, and reflect backwards and say, wow, that was a blessing. That was a prayer you answered. I think all of us like to be thanked. I think one of the dangers we have is we don't actually thank God for what we do have and what we do get and the prayers he does answer. And I feel if we do that, you earn the right to ask for something else. But, you know, when um, you give something to somebody numerous times, and I've had that recently where I've helped someone and, given them, I think, you know, a lot of help over a period of time and they've never once thanked me. And you just, there's a sense in, well, I'm not point, I'm not sure they really appreciate it. And I think we're a bit like that with God. Um, we can just take it for granted. God is God. It's his job to do that. I'll just put the next request. So, so I think it's really having the right mindset in how we come to God, humbly, um, thankfully, the posture, the posture of coming before God in surrender, saying, God, you have your way in me. Sometimes we've got to be stripped right back. Sometimes we've got to be broken even to then be receptive for the change God wants to do in us because he, he, he wants us to be childlike. So it's to get you're a business person, become childlike and say, Father in heaven, Daddy in heaven, um, this is my problem and I can't fix it. So I'm going to hand it over. So one of the things is stop wrestling with it yourself and hand it over to God and say, God, it's your problem. Your word says that you will take my burdens and I uh, lighten my burdens. My burdens are heavy. So I think we've got to take God at his word, but really if we can find someone else that can walk with us on that, it's amazing how that can break, have a, help us have a breakthrough. And you do touch on practical ways that you can be active in this area. In fact, uh, the opportunity for people to connect with Food for Thought uh, that's food, the number four thought, uh, where you're highlighting how business, life and faith work together. And uh, that's like a, an opportunity for people to connect with you. When they do go to the Food for Thought website, uh, what do they subscribe? What's, uh, what's, what's the, the way that you can connect here, John? Oh, if they, if they are happy to um, come to Food for Thought, um, the, you know, the website or, or to Halftime website, we're happy to do a one-on-one -on -one coaching and mentoring um, call with people. And um, by doing that, um, we can assess. Like at the moment, I've got about seven or eight people in different states who are wanting to set up a food for thought, some in a, in a um, 
a warehouse, some in an office, some in their home. And we will coach and mentor them and help them build a team. We've got people in most states who who are on their own who would love to be part of a team and, and do something in, in a broader sense. So so definitely, um, I think with, with Food for Thought, that's a great way um, for people to... Um, yeah, find a few other people to help them and we'll, pro- we'll provide all the training. And so the Food for Thought website is, yeah, as you say, food and the number four and then the word thought.org.au. Um, yeah, we'd love to um, talk to you. Um, you can book in a, an appointment um, with myself or one of our Food for Thought coaches. And, uh, yeah, we'd, we'd love to help you... Um, be impactful for wherever God's actually placed you. A great way to connect uh, food, the number four, thought.org.au, and the Halftime Australia website is halftime.org.au. Uh, John Sycamore is the executive chairman of Halftime Australia. He's leading that initiative, Food for Thought, an opportunity there for business people listening to our conversation today to connect with a network, to get some coaching, to understand what it is to pursue God's mission in your business. I'll mention too John's book, Enriched, Redefining Wealth. Uh, no doubt you'll be able to get a copy of that at halftime.org.au. John Sycamore, great getting your insights once again. Thanks so much for taking some time to share these thoughts with listeners on 2020. Yeah, my privilege, Neil. Um, All the best. Love your show. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.